always a glad, I'm always glad when you applaud after that last song right before coming up here because I just pretend it's for me. <laughs> Makes me feel better. There you go. <laughs> Ask and you shall receive. Money makes me feel good too. As many of you know, I am a baseball fan, uh, possibly fanatic uh, when it comes to the sport. I grew up playing baseball. I've told you before, I grew up on baseball diamonds. That's where I spent a lot of my time as a youth. Um, I, I dreamed of playing professional baseball until the age of 35, <laughs> when I finally realized it probably wasn't going to happen. And then that movie, The Rookie, came out, and I had renewed hope. If I could just break my arm or something, that, you know, then it would heal funny. But any opportunity that I had to play the game or to watch, and I always wanted to watch live, I don't like watching baseball on TV. I want to be there. I want, to, I want the sights, the sounds, the smells uh, of baseball. And uh, so any opportunity that I have, I usually take it. Uh, four years ago, I had some meetings in Orlando that I needed to be at uh, about this time of year. It was probably mid to late February. Uh, and it was about the time that the pitchers and catchers were to report for spring training. And I thought, man, I'm that close. Uh, Florida, the, you know, spring training... Uh, I wonder if I could go and hang out. So I called Matt and Heather Clement, and I said, hey, I know you guys are heading down. I know you're going to be there. I said, would it be possible for me to come down and just hang out with, with you for a day? Uh, go to the ballpark, maybe catch a game if there's one playing. They said, yeah, sure, come on down. So we set it up when I was going to be there, and uh, they let me stay at their place and hang out with them and, and, the, and the boys. And uh, the, that morning that, that we were there, we got up and we, we headed to the ballpark. And here I, I uh, have just some pictures of, of when I was there, so you know this is a true story. Um, and uh, so when we got there, he, he of course was with a new, a new club, the Toronto Blue Jays, and, and wasn't real sure exactly where I would be allowed to go and where I wouldn't be allowed to go. So I headed for the bleachers and he... Uh, headed uh, into the clubhouse. And uh, I thought, you know what, I'm just, I'm happy if I'm just here in the bleachers, just watching and, and uh, taking some pictures and, and building some memories. And shortly he reappeared with a pass that allowed me to hang out uh, and walk around and take some pictures backstage, uh, back where the team was. I, I kind of had that backstage pass. Now here's the thing. I didn't belong there. I wasn't part of the team. I didn't hold any kind of credentials that would allow me to walk where they were walking, to be where they were. I had no right to be standing in the same area where the ballplayers were, but there I was because someone said so. Someone said I could. Now, I guarantee you that Matt didn't go into the clubhouse and say, hey, I have Ted Harris out here. And and they said, Ted Harris, oh yeah, get him down here. Get him right down. That, give him whatever he wants. I guarantee you that didn't happen. But because he said so, I was in. I was able to go places that the general public was not allowed. I was backstage. I was at the bullpen pitching mounds. I was at the batting cages. All because someone said so. I didn't belong down there. Until someone said 
I belonged. Now, I gave you this last picture simply because on a cold January morning, who wouldn't want to see a sunset in Florida? All right? Uh, an incredible sunset. I want you to turn to, remember, remember that phrase, because he said so, and turn with me to the book of Second Peter, chapter 1. It's called Second Peter, or 2 Peter, because this is the second letter that he wrote. And he's writing it to the same group of people that he wrote the first letter to. Uh, probably, as most people can, can guess, about a year later. Um, so a year has passed since last Sunday to this Sunday. We've gone a year forward. And uh, many believe that this letter may have been written from a prison cell in Rome. Uh, Peter says in, in chapter 1, verse 14, he says, Because I know that I will soon put it aside. This, he said, I th- let me go back to 13. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body. Because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. Okay, so Peter is expecting to die. So he's in a situation now where the persecution that he had talked about in the first letter was becoming a reality in his life. And he said, I just want to jog your memory a little bit about what I had told you before. That there is suffering and there is persecution. And now I find myself in it to where I'm, I'm thoroughly expecting that what Jesus said to me on the shore back in John chapter 21, when he said that I would be led and taken captive and led and not be able to choose the way in which I died, that I think that's about to happen. And he said, so I want to write this letter. I want to remind you of what is important. Remember that he wrote that first letter to encourage believers who were facing persecution. And he addressed the topic of suffering many times throughout that letter. And now he's telling them that something even worse than suffering, even worse than persecution, even worse than being tortured and put to death for your faith is upon us. And I think these words are as as true today and as applicable and practical today as they were 2,000 years ago when he penned them. He said something far worse. He said there are false teachers among you. We have to understand that wherever God's truth is being shared, Satan is right there sharing lies. We had an example of that through the, the clip Uh, from the lady who worked for Planned Parenthood and ran the abortion clinics. That whenever Jesus and and God is saying that there is a sanctity to life, that every life matters, that every life is valuable, there are those that say, no, it's not. And we can make money off that fact. Lots and lots of money by just spreading lies, by by sharing non-truths. We face this all the time. For you that are Truth Project graduates, what this, what this is called when the truth claims of God are attacked by the truth claims of Satan is, is referred to as the cosmic battle. It's the battle that has been going on for ages. And it is raging all around us. Peter tells them in chapter 1, verse 16, he says, "...for we do not follow cleverly devised stories." That's what the lie is. We're just we're sharing the truth. Not a cleverly devised story. Chapter 2, he says, But there were also false prophets among them, just as there will be false prophets among you. 
They will secretly introduce destructive heresies. That there are going to be those, he's saying within the church, because he says there are those among you, the church, that are going to come in and try to, to have these destructive heresies, cleverly devised stories. They're going to question the truth. They're going to claim that God is not truth. Just as Satan did in the garden when he said, did God really say, do not eat? He, he wants us to begin to question and doubt what truth is. Peter says in chapter 3 of this letter, yes, there are, there are hard things in the Bible that, that people are going to distort. They're going to distort the truth. They're going to twist the truth. These words of Peter are just as practical today to us. That we need to, to know the truth. We need to be prepared that there is going to be falsehood arising everywhere. And you can probably stop and think and realize that it is happening. That the truth is being twisted. That things are being presented on a national level as right when they are wrong. As, as true when they are false. Peter starts his letter like this in chapter 1 verse 1. And we're going to look at just the first four verses today. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, the glory and goodness, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through those promises you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So how do we confront the lies? How, how are we to stand firm so that when the lie comes, we know and we are not tangled in, we are not twisted ourselves, we do not become entangled, but we are able to stand on the truth. I think Peter outlines in this really opening introduction to his letter three things that we need to do. The first is we need to understand your position. Understand your position. Secondly, we need to live by his power. He's given us his power. His divine power has given us. And then thirdly, we need to believe his promises, his great and precious promises. Peter says God has given us everything we need to withstand not just persecution, as bad as that's going to be, and it may very well end in death. He says this is far worse because this may end in eternal death. That if you buy into one of these lies, if you get slightly twisted, if you get a little off track, and you begin to believe falsehood as truth, and you begin to live as if that were truth, Peter says we can't have that. We can't have that. And so he says, first thing we need to do is you need to understand your position. You need to understand who you are. When it comes to a relationship with God, you don't belong there. Understand that. That when it comes to the Holy Trinity, the Father, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, you don't belong in that group any more than I belonged with a bunch of baseball players. At best, I was a pretender. At best, if I had gotten onto the field and put on a uniform, I would have stuck out real quick that I didn't belong there. None of us 
belong in a relationship with God. It's not our natural place. It's, we don't belong there. Sin has separated us from God. Every one of us has a fallen sinful nature, and that has separated us from God to where we don't belong with him. I find it interesting that a lot of people who don't have anything who don't want to have anything to do with God in this life, when asked if they want to go to heaven after they die, they say yes. Why? If you don't want to spend time with God here, why would you want to spend eternity with him? We don't belong there. Sin has separated us. But without that relationship, without a relationship with God, we are destined to spend eternity in hell. We are destined to spend eternity separated from God the same way we're, we're living life now, separated from God. So what does God do? God offers us salvation. He offers us a pass. But, but even the offer is not enough because we can't accept it because of our sinfulness. And so he gives us the faith that we need in order to accept it. Salvation is a gift, and Peter is writing to those who have received faith. Do you understand that? We, we receive the faith that we need in order to receive the gift of salvation because we can't muster any of that up amongst ourselves, within ourselves. Unless God calls us, unless God gives us the faith, unless God uh, offers us that, and, and until we take it, we're lost. We're separated from God, destined for eternity in hell. The only way to salvation is through faith, believing, and even that God has given us. To those who have received a faith, God gives us the ability to believe. He gives us the ability to believe. We don't have it naturally within us because of the sin nature. The sin blocks that every time. And so God constantly calling us, constantly bringing us into circumstances and situations, and then at the right time giving us the ability to believe, the ability to have faith. Peter was even dispelling here the idea that somehow apostles were greater, that the apostles had greater faith. Because he says that, that it's the same faith that they had. That, that all of us have that same faith. He says you received a faith as precious as ours. It's the same kind of faith. And understand faith is not something you do. It is something you receive. Faith is the ability to believe. That when God gives it to us, we exercise it, we, we use it, and we begin to believe the truth claims of God. The first of which is, I am a sinner separated from God, and I am in need of a Savior. And when we put our faith in that, when we begin to believe that, we are transformed. We begin to think differently about everything. We understand that, that nothing I have done, but because He says so, I am saved. Because he says so, my sins are forgiven. You didn't work to earn it. You can't work to keep it. We're forgiven because he says so. We, we're a child of God because he says so. Look at verse 4. Verse 4 says, Through these, he is the, these 
great and glorious, or his glory and goodness, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. Do you know what that means? That you are a participant in the divine nature, in the very nature of God. God has granted us a position, a partnership with him. That sin for years and years has kept us out of. Made us not even uh, worthy of being in that. God says, I forgive. I say it happens. And I'm going to share with you this divine nature. He says, you are above the corruption of the world. Not because you have done anything, but because he said so. Because God says you are above. Because God says I've given you my divine nature. I've given you faith. I've given you everything you need to live this life above the circumstances of the world. Above the lies. I've given you the ability to believe the truth. I've given you the ability to live out the truth. I have salvation I have the promise of heaven and eternity with God because God credited Jesus' righteousness to my life. And he gave me the ability to believe. And now every day I believe. Every day I get up and put my faith, my trust back in God one more time for a new day, for another whatever is going to face, whatever I'm going to face that day. It's renewed. We did nothing. Our position, our right. You know, when, when I die, and I don't know what it's going to look like. There's a lot of books out there that tell me, but we don't know what it's going to be like. But when I get there and someone, let's just picture it at the gate because that's how we picture it. And someone says, hey, I've got Ted Harris out here. Jesus is going to go, oh, Ted Harris, yeah, bring him in. Why? Because I'm so great? No, because he said so. Because he gave me the ability to believe and I staked my life on that truth. And I live my life according to that truth. And because Jesus died for me, because he said so, I'm ushered in. And that's open for anyone and everyone. And so we we have to understand our position. We have to understand that we are above it all. That God has made it it available to us to live above it. That we are not, not, uh, that we can escape the corruption in the world. Not be caught up in it. Second thing is we need to live by his power. We've been given his divine nature and with his divine nature comes his divine power. It says his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. He's given us that power. We have everything we need. We share that divine nature. We share that divine power. His power has given us everything we need for this life. Let me ask you a question, and this is not rhetorical. I want you to answer. What are you in need of? What are you in need of? Anything. We're a group in need of absolutely nothing. 
I guarantee you some of you need hope. You're facing circumstances that you don't see out of. You need hope. God's divine power has given us hope. He's given us the ability to believe in hope. What are you in need of? Forgiveness. Has he done that? Yes, he has. Because he said so. He's given us forgiveness. He's given us the opportunity. What do we need? Peace. He says, and and there's a peace that passes all understanding. And that when we find ourselves in circumstances that are unpeaceful, we need to just what? Believe. We need to ask God for that peace and he will give it to us. But what do we often try to do when we get into unpeaceful situations? We try to do something about it. We try to make it peaceful. We try to write it. We try to correct it. We try to make something happen. God says, I've given you everything you need. What else do we need? One more. Strength. There are times when, man, I don't got it. I don't have enough. Getting up in the morning and thanking God for a new day just really is not in my ability. And we need the strength. And we have to believe through the faith that he has given us that he will give us that strength. Because of our position and because of his power, we have strength. It is at our disposal because he said so. Do we believe it? Mark chapter 9, Jesus and the disciples are approached by a man whose son was possessed. uh, and, And they didn't know what to do with him. The disciples had tried and tried and nothing could happen. And so they brought the man to Jesus And Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? And he answered, the the father answered from childhood, it has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. Now here's an evil spirit that has possessed this boy. We don't know how old he is, maybe 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, somewhere in that that range probably because he said from childhood, so he's beyond childhood, maybe even a teenager. But for years this evil spirit has been attacking this boy, throwing him into the fire, trying to burn him, throwing him into the water, trying to drown him. Because that's what evil spirits do. They try to kill. They steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus says. That's why the enemy has come. But I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. And so Jesus says to him, how long has this been? And he says it's often thrown him into fire and water to kill him. But if you can do anything... Take pity on us and help us. And Jesus' response is, if you can. How many times do we go to God and say, if you are able. And Jesus has got to go, if? There are no ifs with God. God can do everything. His divine power has the ability to do anything. Everything is possible. Nothing is impossible for God. And so this man says, if you can do anything. And Jesus says, everything is possible for one who believes. And immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And that's the instance that we most often find ourselves. We do believe. But there is just a a strain of doubt. There's just something there that is holding us back from truly believing that God is going to act on our behalf. 
that God is actually going to step into the circumstances and make something different. There's just that strain of doubt. And so within his power, within the faith that he's given us, we can say, yes, I do believe. But help with my unbelief. Help with that one strain. Help me to, to overcome that. Instead, we say, well, I don't know. I need to do. I better get at it. I need to work harder. Too many times, too many of us live by the if you can, but we don't really expect God to do anything. We believe he can. We believe it's possible. He has the power to, but I don't really think that he's going to. And we're defeated. That's the lie. God has said many, many times throughout Scripture, everything is possible. Ask and you will receive. If you ask anything in my name, it will happen. Do we believe that? Yeah, we believe. Help our unbelief. And so many times we go through life defeated. We go through life not changed. There's no change in me. There's no change in my situation. God is here to change things. God is here to change things. He's here to transform things. He's here to transform people. He's here to transform circumstances. When God walked into a village, things changed. When God walked into a group of people or met a person, that person changed. That group changed. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when he comes into our life, he's going to bring about change. He's going to bring about transformation. Now, you know, back in Florida, I would have been happy just sitting in the stands that day, just sitting in the bleachers and watching. I would have missed a lot. I wouldn't have gotten to see what happens in the bullpen. I wouldn't have gotten to see what happens in the batting cages. I wouldn't have been able to experience that. But I would have been happy just sitting there. But how crazy would it have been had Matt came out and handed me a pass to go anywhere in the complex that I wanted to go and for me to have stayed in the stand? But how many of us live our life that way? He has given us the faith that we need. We've received faith. He's he's made us a partner. Our position is, is with the divine nature. We are a partner with God. And with that partnership comes divine power. And we're content with a bleacher seat. I need to live my life with power, with divine power, with an understanding that all things are possible. Everything is possible for the one who believes. But to live my life as if the power was not mine, as if my status was not changed, there's transformation. I need to change my mind. I need to change my action. I need to change my relationships. The hard part is when it doesn't happen. When I truly believe, when, I, when I'm seeking peace and peace doesn't come. When, when I'm seeking, seeking strength and strength just continually is out of my grasp. When I'm asking for, for specifics, for healing, for a job, for, for anything and it doesn't come. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. It's at that point that we have to ask, do we trust him? Do we trust the truth claims of God, that he does have our best interest, that he is working on our behalf, that he will bring about his will? 
Because doubts will set in. Can you believe him when it doesn't happen? Can you trust him? When we need more faith, what do we need to do? Ask him. Ask him because faith comes from him. God gives it to us. He has given means that at some point in the past, he gave us his power and it is still active in us today. That we have a high position in a relationship with God because he says so. That we have power to live godly lives, not sinless, but where we sin less and less. Because he says so. And where does the power come from? Ephesians chapter 3 says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond, (laughs) far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or imagine according to the power that works in us. When the Holy Spirit comes into us, he brings with us that divine nature and that divine power. And it works within us. We don't muster it up. The power is there because he said it is there. Because he said so, we have power. It doesn't mean you need to pray more. It just means you need to pray and believe. We think if I just pray more, if I pray longer, if I say better words. No, that's us doing. Just pray. It doesn't mean you need to read the scripture more. Just read and believe that it is true. We think if I just do something more, truth is we don't do anything. God calls us to be. God calls us to be a child of God. God calls us to to be a partner. In verse 5, in verse 5 he says, For this reason make every effort to add to your faith goodness, to goodness knowledge, to knowledge self-control, self-control perseverance, perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We want all of those things in increasing measure. Now, Understand, all of those things are not, they're not actions. They are qualities. They are characteristics of the divine nature that God is sharing with you. Denny's going to unpack those next week, but I wanted to at least mention them, that, that they're qualities that make you effective and productive. They're not actions. We want to act. God says, just be. Just be that divine nature. Just be that power. Let me do Because the Christian life is about being, not doing. God does. We be. Our life is one of being. We live with the confidence that God can. Not that we, he might or he might not. We live with the confidence that he can. Irregardless of whether he does. Do you remember the three Hebrew children back in Daniel? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? And, and they, they would not bow to the king. They were not going to bow to the idol. And he said, anyone that doesn't bow is going to get thrown into the fiery furnace and they're going to die. And so these three said, we will not bow. 
And they said, we believe that God can save us from the fiery furnace. And then they said something that is very hard for every one of us to say. They said, and even if he doesn't, even if he chooses not to save us, we will not bow down to another God. He might, he might not. But do you believe he can? Do you trust him that whatever the outcome is passes through his goodness, his glorious promises? Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Everything goes back to that cosmic battle. Believe God or believe Satan. You're going to believe something. Peter tells us here that the third thing we have to do in combating these false teachers that are coming is that we need to believe the promises of God. Because he said so, comes back full circle now. He gives us salvation. We didn't earn it but we believe it because he said so. With that belief comes power, which gives us everything we need to live this life. And one of the things that we need is to know the promises of God. That's the knowledge that he keeps talking about. He he says that everything he's given us for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us. That there's this knowledge that we add to our life. All of those things we add, uh, knowledge is, is, is behind them all. The one of the things we need to know are the promises of God. And that promise is true because He said so. He says, He says, my God says, God's Word says, Truth is, that's what we believe. That's what we build our life on. Not on the I hope so, I think, he might, he might not. How many of you remember the hymn, Standing on the Promises of God? You guys are old. The second verse says, standing on the promises that cannot fail because he says so. When the howling storms of doubt and fear assail, doubt and fear, that's that cosmic battle, truth versus the lie. By the living word of God, I shall prevail because he says so. Standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises I now can see. Now. God has given me the faith. Believing is seeing. It's not seeing is believing. That's the lie. I have to see it to believe it. No, I got to believe it in order to see it. Standing on the promises I now can see. Perfect present cleansing in the blood for me. It's a perfect sacrifice. Standing in the liberty where Christ makes free. Free, I escape the corruption, Peter says. 
The evil desires takes us captive, but now we have position, we have power, we have the promises, we have freedom. We have everything we need to live life victorious if we will stand on those promises. Standing on the promises of Christ the Lord, bound to him eternally by love's strong cord. We are partners, bound to him eternally, partners in the divine nature. Overcoming daily with the Spirit's sword. Overcoming daily. And what is the sword of the Spirit? The Word of God. The truth. Not the lie. Not the maybe. Not the what if. But the fact. The truth. The sword of the Spirit. The Word of God. Standing on the promises. It is the promises. The believing. Not doing. None of us of our own, belong in a relationship with God. Sin disqualifies us from that. We don't belong there. But because he says so. Some of you here this morning need to believe this truth. You've been living the lie for too long. You've been playing the game. You've been hoping. You've been maybe. You've been... It's the truth separated from God. And separation here in this life means separation in the next life for all eternity. But God has granted us hope in his promises because he says so. We can have faith that we are forgiven. We can have faith that that we share in that, that we have faith that God has qualified us to be in that relationship. That my life is dependent Upon his power, not on my power. So often we rely on my power. I will do it. That's a lie. You can't do it. You can't do it. To rely upon and live by the promises of God. Some would believe that God hasn't done anything for me. That's a lie. The truth is God has done everything for you. And believing is seeing what God has done. Including bringing you here this morning. That he might proclaim truth to you again. Peter says, I, wanted, I just want to jog your memory. I just want you to remember what we're all about because my days on this earth I know are numbered. And I want to make sure that you understand that you might this time believe and walk out of these doors transformed by faith. Believing is seeing because he said so. Let's pray. Father, this morning we acknowledge your truth. That without faith, we are separated from you. That without faith, we are still in our sins. So Father, I pray for faith this morning. I pray that you might give us the faith to believe. And even when we believe, to help our unbelief. Come alongside us. Strengthen us. Allow us to taste of that power, to to understand our position with the divine nature. Father, that you live in us and through us. That, Father, it is not me doing. It is you doing and me being. Father, allow us to, 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 to contemplate, to think, to meditate on that truth. That everything we need for life, you have given us.
including the faith to believe. Father, transform us. Change us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want you to go out and have a great week. And not because I said so, but because he said so. Amen? Amen. Have a great week.